0: Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday in our culture. This, of course, many of you familiar, this is a yearly reminder of the 1973, right? Roe versus Wade um, Supreme Court decision in which the killing of a baby in the womb was made legal in our country. What a shame that this happened and that it has gone on for 50 years. It was a diabolical decision with ramifications not only for unborn babies, but for our culture as a whole. The culture of death has slipped into every nook and cranny and area of life. St. John and his ministry displayed in our gospel lesson this morning was once an unborn baby. He was also a miraculous baby. For Elizabeth, his mother, had been barren, and she and her husband were both well advanced in years, as the text says. When John was born, Zacharias, his father, prophesied. And what he said, we call the Benedictus, which we sang this morning in its entirety. Look at page 14 of the Book of Common Prayer, if you would. Page 14 and... Read along. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. And Zacharias then recites the promises of God for the redemption of Israel. It's summarized, so to speak, what God has promised to do. Then Zacharias turns to his newborn son, John, look down about two-thirds of the page, and thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people for the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. John was the forerunner of Christ to speak of the gospel to come and of salvation and redemption. From our gospel lesson today, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. John's doing the setup. He's setting it all up. John was obviously a big deal in the land, and many, I'm sure, thought he might be the Messiah. But John's answer is consistent. There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The rubric... The rubric, the little red, well, they're not red in all our editions, but rubric comes from the Latin word for red. What's that word? Anyone remember? Ruber. So in the days when we printed things beautifully, all the rubrics were in red, and you could easily distinguish today. Particularly, they are italicized and smaller font. And those are instructions. And I know most of us don't spend a lot of time reading those. But if I can do a little pragmatic switch, Um, the rubric at the beginning of the baptismal office in the prayer book, one of them, reads thus. When there are children to be baptized, the parents or sponsors shall give knowledge thereof to the minister. And and then the godfathers and godmothers and the people with the children, the parents, um, must be ready at the font either immediately after the second lesson at morning or evening prayer. For hundreds of years, the typical time for baptisms, uh, because also of Reformation changes, was on Sunday mornings. Sometimes it would be on feast days, but Sunday mornings, very typical, after the second lesson of morning prayer. The very typical canticle that followed the second lesson, almost without exception, historically, has always been the Benedictus. Thus, the birth of St. John Baptist of our Gospel lesson today is the constant background and imagery associated with baptism for every Anglican Christian for hundreds of years. So when you're at morning prayer and you hear that canticle, you're reminded always of baptism because every baptism you've seen for centuries, not for us today because we're trying to recover things, but for centuries, every time you hear that canticle, you're reminded of baptism because every baptism you've been to, the first thing you sing after the baptism is that canticle. Baptism is, therefore, in our tradition associated with the infant John Baptist. And John had a calling as the forerunner of Christ to prepare the way for the Messiah. All of us, each and every one of us, have callings in the church and in Christ's world. All of us have jobs to do for our Messiah. No, not usually quite the level of John Baptist, Most of us won't reach anything close to that level of calling, and that's fine. I'm very happy um, not to necessarily have John's life (laughs) um, and his death. But nonetheless, we all have callings from God. We have callings from God, and that calling does not end until our life is done here. Retirement is not retirement from God's calling. It might be actually one of the first times you have a chance to fulfill God's calling with all of your energy, all of your time, and your resources. (laughs) And John's words in our Gospel lesson remind us of the gifting of the Holy Spirit that happens at our baptism and at every baptism. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, says St. John. We see a very clear picture of that reality in the baptism of Christ himself, which ends our gospel lesson. It came to pass in those days that that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased." We, each and every one of us, have a calling. We all have the Holy Spirit gifted to us in our baptism. Probably not as dramatic a picture as that of Jesus. And for so many of us, as we move forward in this renewal of the Anglican way in our culture, for so many of us, that baptism will have happened in infancy. What a blessing. To have the Holy Spirit, for those of us that were baptized later, think about it. To have the Holy Spirit from infancy, what a blessing. We are called to be voices to the world of the Messiah who has come and who will come again. We are witnesses to Christ and his ministry among us. And each of us accomplish this witnessing by and through our callings and giftings in Christ's church. May we offer forth to the world the baptism of inner cleansing and salvation. May we shout it that come, be part of Christ, be baptized and cleansed of your sins. And today, may we emphasize that cleansing and salvation to those who have participated in abortion and to those who are tempted to abort their children today. May we pray for them and with them If we get the chance, let us remember that John Baptist was an unborn infant in the womb of his mother, Elizabeth. And as soon as the voice of Mary's greeting sounded in his mother's ears, the babe, John Baptist, leaped in her womb for joy. And let us remember that we've been gifted the Holy Ghost and are empowered to do the calling of God in our lives. Pray, my friends, that the killing of our country's children in the wombs of their mothers will be stopped everywhere. And of course, the Supreme Court this year has heard a case, and it is very possible that the Roe versus Wade decision may be struck down. But don't stop praying, because when that happens... The major battlefront will just turn to the states, of which ours is one of the worst, for abortion. Remember the angel Gabriel's words to Mary, for with God nothing will be impossible. Even this prayer of ours is possible in this time and in this place. May we be faithful. Amen.